From the Anajar and Bean Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaBecca Live on ESPN 1063. ACC kickoff, Tyler Van Dyke. He tells us, hey, it's okay. That Florida State loss, it was disappointing, but it brought Cristobal in. He's not wrong. It's just surprising to hear someone actually say it. It's like he was reading fans' tweets, and he said it to us. I'm not bagging on Tyler Van Dyke. It's just, it's something that's brutally honest, but also I think is going to fuel the Florida State fans as well. I have a feeling what he told us is going to come up again in October I, when those two teams play. I share that same feeling. I just have a feeling. Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. He's in Charlotte, ACC kickoff. Ken Levicka, Stone Labanowitz, Friday Night Lights. Kyler Murray is paid. He is paid in a big way. He is paid massive money, significant money. Here is the contract that Kyler Murray has agreed to. Five years, $230.5 million, $160 mil guaranteed. And Kyler Murray, to me, is, I'll give him top 15 quarterback, but guess who hasn't been paid yet? Lamar Jackson, who by any metric, almost any metric, is a better quarterback, who has had better success, who has won in the playoffs, who has claimed an MVP. Lamar Jackson's still not paid at this point. Two weeks ago, the conversation that ESPN not only created, then perpetuated, is he top 10, is he top 10, is he top 10? And it allowed all the troglodytes to come out and try and tear the man down and defy how good he is and how great he is and how deserving he is to at least be a top five paid quarterback. And now we revisit that conversation today because Kyler freaking Murray acting like a child, a petulant child, taking down Instagram photos that got him paid before the respectful Lamar Jackson, the better quarterback Lamar Jackson got a deal from the Ravens. Yeah. And something that you said not too long ago, you know, speaks volumes. You said you there, you can't find a single reason on why Kyler would be paid before Lamar. Like there's no, nothing X's and O's. We've already discussed that, right? Lamar over Kyler. Other than Kyler Murray threw himself on the ground and started crying and tantruming. Bottom line, Lamar's a better quarterback than Kyler Murray. That's bottom line. And socially, you know, and how he handled him attitude-wise, you know, there's just no reason why he gets the bag before Lamar. Uh, Let's go to Devin in Boca. Devin's on Ken LeVick Alive. What's up, Devin? Hey, Ken. As usual, I always got to be the voice of reason in this Lamar Jackson fan club that you and Theo got to go. Because you, Ken, you're the CEO... And Theo is the president of the Lamar is Great fan club. Because you guys only have tunnel vision when it comes to Lamar. Last time I checked, the Ravens have no issue paying Lamar. They've been trying to get in contact with him for the entire summer. He was the one who was not returning the phone calls. Remember, his mom is his agent. The Ravens have never said they don't want to pay Lamar. But Lamar is trying to make his stock so high that he's going to get a Patrick Mahomes contract or a Josh Allen contract, which he is not going to get. So now he's played a dangerous game because you guys know the way he plays. Now he goes out and plays this year trying to make his stock go so high. And God forbid, because I love the guy, he gets injured. This money is going to go way, way down. Now you said 
he's acting like an adult. And I'm like, okay, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers. We can't put Aaron Rodgers in that conversation because the, the Packers have no choice but to pay. Kyler Murray, the Cardinals have already decided this is their guy, so they're going to pay their guy. The Ravens have decided that Lamar is their guy. Lamar is the one who is not taking the money that they're offering him. How much are they offering him? We don't know. So we got to find out what it is. But don't make sit there and make it seem like the Ravens is playing hardball with Lamar Jackson when they are not because they've been trying to give him the money. He's trying to make his stock go so high. It's like, bro, how high does your stock, is your stock going to go? You are not as good as Patrick Mahomes. You are not as good as Josh Allen. How high is your stock going to go so you could get this money? So you better go ahead and get your money. I see what you're saying, Devin, but what I will tell you as someone who has been around the NFL and has been around front offices, I have reason to believe that the Ravens have thrown out initial numbers and the reason Lamar Jackson isn't engaging is because compared to Deshaun Watson, compared to what the numbers rumored were out there for Kyler Murray, it's been downright offensive to Lamar Jackson. So instead of entertaining That's your it, belief, Ken. That's on. a fact. That's your belief. But that's also someone who spent six to seven years covering on a daily basis an NFL team and being around that front office. That's all I'm saying, Devin. Okay, I, I have a I little bit of insight that. into how this works. I'm not trying to diminish what you're saying, and you're right. He is not. He, should he be paid to a Josh Allen, a Patrick Mahomes? No. We are on the same page. We are absolutely on the same page with that. I promise you that. All I'm saying is that I am. I would be stunned if there hasn't at least been a little bit of, eh, hey, let's start talking a little bit of numbers, and then the number is so low that they're just not interested. Do I think it's going to come to ve- together eventually? Yes. But it I will. also am not impressed with the Cardinals just kowtowing to the petulant Kyler Murray in this spot. And appreciate the call, Devin. I just, it's so unimpressive the way Kyler Murray has gone about his business. I don't like it. It's, it's awful, but it's effective. So now I'm, I'm really like sitting here trying to like rationalize in my mind, like, okay, do you even, like, if, that is, if that's the negotiating tactic that makes owners uh, pay up $160 million guaranteed, is it, is it worth it? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's amazing that he gets this money, gets this deal, and pulled what he pulled after that playoff performance last year. Yeah. I, I think that, that too. Devin brings up a super interesting point, and it got me thinking, and, and I haven't had this thought yet, but you think secretly Baltimore, behind the scenes, doesn't think he's worth that much money? Like, like is Lamar being delusional in his case? Like, he's asking, right, for 200 guaranteed. I'm sure that's what it is in his well, head. Like, yeah. I know he's a very confident person, but are the Baltimore Ravens like, you know what? Like, we need a reason not to Here, pay him that money. We'll I, would, I would be very disheartened if that was the case. Same. This is why I can't count it out because of the conversation that was had on ESPN a multitude of times two weeks ago, and some of the calls we got on the show as well, that want to consistently diminish Lamar Jackson because he's not traditional. Want to consistently diminish Lamar Jackson because he uses his legs so much. Never mind the fact he's had one spell of injury in his entire career to this point. Oh, but he's going to take hits. He doesn't take hits. Have you watched him play? He doesn't take hits. He knows how to get down. But because he's not the traditional pocket passer, there's still this thought that, oh, no, 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 he doesn't deserve the type of money that the greats get in the game because he's not like them. And, Theo, that is what I don't want to believe it, but still in the back of my mind there's this place that leads me to believe that the Ravens in some way, shape, or form from a business standpoint lean on that when it comes to really going hardcore towards contract with Lamar Jackson. Are you really going to play around like that with the one guy that has brought you success over the past three or four years? Right. Like, 
the guy that you're literally building your roster around offensively and defensively, like the guy that is the system, as I think it was Dominique Foxworth on ESPN kept on reiterating. Ryan like, Clark. Are you really going to play around? Oh, is it Ryan Clark? Sorry. Okay, Ryan Clark. Sorry. I mean, they don't all look alike. But I just (laughs) had to slip that in there. Uh I I just have have to imagine that the Ravens will come around to their senses. And maybe they're just starting off here. Like, maybe they're just not that good at negotiating, and they disrespected him with that low number, and that's why he's not in the negotiations right now. But... He, he he's got. They've got to pay that well, man. The, the, uh, what it's coming down Murray. to, like the Ravens, if the Ravens really wanted to present a fair deal to Lamar and really have a conversation, I think the Ravens could have absolutely already done that, right? Like just because, if if the Ravens said, "Hey, we have a two hundred and thirty or two hundred and forty million dollar contract offer for you here," I have a feeling Lamar Jackson's not ignoring that, right? right. Like Lamar Jackson's mom isn't screening the phone call with that. Yeah, you know, that, that point that he brought up is awful, that he's not picking up the phone, you know, in summer, because that's obviously not the case. Like, he replies instantly, those are his coaches, those are guys who pay him millions. But can you mention that, you know, he's not traditional? So do you fear that, like, the organization doesn't want to look like a fool in, in case it doesn't work out for all of the reasons that the media and everybody's saying? Like, for me, being an undersized quarterback, I was told by plenty of bigger schools, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I can't bring a guy in like you, uh, you know, a 5'10", 180-pound kid, who's untraditional, because if it doesn't work out, like, I'll lose my job. From a business standpoint, what the Ravens can say is, hey, you know, uh, we, we, you're our guy. We love your game. Um, but there's always the chance that in the NFL this doesn't continue to be sustainable. Right. So let's come to terms on a really good number and load the contract with incentives. And Lamar's going to say, bleep you. I don't want it loaded with incentives. I want the money. So, so boom, we did it. That's exactly what's going on right now. It's what it feels like. Yeah. And, again, I don't, I, I don't know what's happening in that Ravens front office. I don't know. But I do know that in a business like that, you're trying to find any angle you can to not fork over the money. Exactly. And I, I want to th- yeah. I, I wish the Ravens weren't like that. I don't know if the Ravens are like that. But that's the only thing. Now, the longer this goes, the only thing I can fall back on as to why this hasn't been done before Kyler Murray just got paid. Kyler freaking Murray maybe somebody, just got paid. Somebody needs to remind them of the days of Joe Flacco. Like, maybe it's one of those things you don't know what you have until it's gone. Because, like, they, a, a maybe they're spoiled. Maybe they're spoiled. Was yeah. that Joe Flacco? There's a reason why Joe Flacco got, got – that's the reason why Lamar Jackson got drafted in the first round when Joe Flacco was still the quarterback. I mean, with Peyton Manning with the Denver Broncos, it was the worst season he's ever statistically played. You know, they got to a Super Bowl and won it. I mean, he wasn't the reason. What are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that Joe Flacco? What are you trying to say? I'm saying you could have, like, statistically a bad season or not be the leader of your team and still make it to a Super Bowl, like, just like Jimmy Garoppolo does. He's gotten plenty times deep. He's gotten to a Super Bowl. Peyton Manning got carried by that defense with Von Miller and everybody, and he wasn't doing anything on the field. I forgot. I can't can't bring up mediocre quarterbacks without Stone You you know I'm going to bat, baby. Getting Uh, riled up. By the way, what the hell was that? How how lathered up is Stone now that Jimmy Garoppolo's on the trade market? Like, officially on the trade market. I hate Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, yeah, right. I would like Jimmy G in Charlotte. He's the worst quarterback in the league. Jimmy G in Charlotte would make a whole lot of sense. There are rumors, (laughs) and I saw this on Pro Football Talk, and Adam Schefter (laughs) reported it as well, that the Dolphins... Uh, could be a landing place for Jimmy Garoppolo. I do not see in any way, shape, or form the point in that. Why do they keep doing our Dolphins like that? Well, because... Random headlines. Because it's just like the turnover chain we're talking about today. You know what sells uh, headlines, and you know what garners clicks? Tua. And the thought of Tua failing. So it's easy. It's an easy place to go to. Oh, 
Two is going to be the first quarterback to fail, so why not go after Jimmy G? Nobody's saying that. No, There's nothing concrete that would lead you to believe the Dolphins would have any interest. It certainly doesn't make any sense, but because click, 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 to it, 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 of course they're going to put that Mike out Mike McDaniels there. just ran away from Jimmy G. He literally just ran away from Jimmy G. I don't want anything to do with this guy anymore. He's not capable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's nothing to that. Trust me when I tell you there's nothing to that. It makes a whole lot more sense for uh, the the quarterback warehouse known as the Carolina Panthers to just go and get Jimmy G. Put him on layaway. <laughs> we would have P.J. Walker, uh, Sam Darnold, Jimmy G, and Baker Mayfield. That yeah. would be a, a – I mean, they should just bring Hard Knocks to Charlotte. Oh, yeah. Happens. Hard Knocks quarterback edition, and they, they, they don't even leave the quarterback room. It's just all that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It's- that, that, that is must-see TV. Um, I want to get to Tyler Van Dyke for a second. Again, ACC kickoff. Theo Dorsey's out there in Charlotte. Mario Cristobal's on Center right now. We still haven't had Mario Cristobal. Uh, still on the bandwidth Friday Night Lights. I got a text. Oh, from who? I got a text update. It says, let me see, let me see, let me go back to it. I'm sorry. It was an Does update. It, say it says no? Cristobal might It says Cristobal might be coming in the last 15 minutes of your show. They said maybe. Yeah, I'll believe that when I see oh, it. Oh, God. <clears throat> That's, is, what's worse, that or Tyler Van Dyke's agent telling me he's going to get him in the future? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, look, man, I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm that's working good. the No, At angles. least it's progress. It's progress. That's good. So, so at the very least, we know that if he, if he doesn't come with, in time for the show, I can try and get it recorded and have it for tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. All the pressure will be on Theo. <laughs> Uh, are you experiencing foot and ankle pain? Need to see an expert in the field? Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit baptisthealth.net slash orthocare to learn more today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources of experienced physicians and leading-edge treatments and technology to provide advanced orthopedic, foot and ankle, joint replacement, spine and sports medicine care. Visit baptisthealth.net slash orthocare for more information today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Learn more by visiting baptisthealth.net slash orthocare. So, uh, uh, so Theo Dorsey is reporting from Miami's SID about the chances of Mario Cristobal coming on this show. Quote, there's a possibility he comes 145-2 to two to close out the show. A possibility. <laughs> That's the word. What are we supposed to do with that, man? Hey, you know what? We'll be prepared. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We're going to re-listen to Tyler Van Dyke uh, saying, hey, the Florida State loss, that was rough on us last year. But, hey, at least it got our coach fired and he got us our, our new coach. So we'll revisit that. We'll talk about that because I do think there's a lot of layers to this. And hopefully Mario Cristobal will come on at 145. Um, let's all pray, okay? <laughs> Amen. That's Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29 in Charlotte. That's Stone Labanowitz, Friday Night Lights. He's prayed up. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. <laughs> From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. College football just five weeks away. By the way, you realized week zero, FAU Charlotte. We're on the clock now. Let's get it. August 27th. August 27th. I really need to start studying up on FAU like (laughs) now. I can help out. My time is running out. I appreciate that. Um, ACC kickoff, Miami's coming up, Florida State's coming up, 
Theo Dorsey talked to Mike Norvell yesterday. Florida State head coach Jordan Travis, Benjamin Product FSU quarterback. You can check that out. ESPN West Palm podcast free wherever you get your podcast. So, Theo, we are uh, we are being told to be prepared, right? We're on the clock for Mario Cristobal, who is concluded on Sports Center. We are. We are. Actually, he is approaching right now, about to sit down and put the headsets on. Love it. Excellent, excellent. So this is Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3. We have talked a lot about Miami over the last couple of days. And joining us now here on ESPN 106.3, entering his first year as the new University of Miami head coach, heading back to his alma mater after a wildly successful stint at Oregon. It is Mario Cristobal with us here on ESPN 106.3. Theo, it's good to finally have Coach. It is good to have him. I know he's been doing his uh, his media tour around here at ACC kickoff, so we'll kick it off here on Ken Levick Alive. And first question for you, uh, Coach Cristobal, you've been a busy man. Since you took the job here, your dream job, how much of these recruiting efforts, how much has the hype around all of the fans and all of this excitement about it continue to fuel your drive to make sure you're getting guys to commit to the Canes as well as you're getting guys ready for the fall. I can't recall a day where we didn't wake up as fired up as humanly possible to do right by the Canes, right? We live it. We live Miami. We live the University of Miami. So um, every, you know, every step forward, you know, every bit of progress just gets us more and more enthused, man. You know, we are, we are living the ultimate uh, opportunity and, and dream scenario for us. Coach, uh, Ken Levick in West Palm. I'm the play-by-play voice of Florida Atlantic, so I can't tell you how much every day I wake up and cherish the fact those idiots at FIU let you go. Uh, and so <laughs> then uh, you, you go to Alabama, you head to Oregon. It's not all the time that a coach leaves and you get promoted from within like you did at Oregon. And now, after the work you did there, you get to take over in Coral Gables. Has this been validating for you, in a sense? Well, in terms of validating, in terms of what part, because there's a lot of things along the way that are are really rewarding. Um, But I guess you, you relate to... Just, it's just our whole it, yeah, being able to be a successful, a winning, a championship head coach like you were at FIU, and that fell apart, and then now you're doing it on the biggest stages. Well, I think that one, the credit that that staff and those players deserve at FIU is off the charts. I mean, you're looking at a place that a team that we inherited that had not won a game the previous year, making the jump to Division One, was losing, I think, 25 to 30 scholarships, placed on probation, <laughs> had the lowest APR in America, <laughs> the lowest GPA. Other than that. And aside from that, yeah. the good news is you're out of conferences, Florida, Miami, uh, Pittsburgh <laughs> at the time. It was So to, to take a program like that and go and win its one and only conference championship and uh, you know become a, an 8-14 and 14 the year after that, I, I thought those guys did a great job. And, you know, lessons learned there. You're taking them over to Alabama. You learn more there. And you figure really quickly that that what you were doing at Alabama really reflected what you did under Jimmy Johnson as a player. The parallels are incredible. And then you put together a blueprint that you feel could be successful, backed by resources at Oregon. And, again, it's validated in another, you know, successful run, again, because of great people around myself and the program. So, all in all, just uh, – it just gets you hungrier, man. This, this football stuff is a vocation for me and for our staff, and we're just ready to go. Coach Cristobal, Stone LeBano was here back in the studio in West Palm Beach. But I, I played football at the collegiate level. I played quarterback, but my high school coach was a very, very bad man in Dennis Lavelle. And I know you know him very, very much uh, close to your heart, and you hold him <laughs> near and dear. But uh, 
I think I'm a That's part the of a godfather of football, man. <laughs> that is like. You're, you're, and he looks like Sensei Kreese, right, from Cobra Kai. This guy's a bad son of a gun now. Hell yeah. The best of the best, my best teacher, best mentor, best coach, Dennis Lavelle, hands down. Yeah, I think me and you are on that very small list of people who can make him smile. But he did tell me to ask you, I think he has a bone to pick with you. Why didn't you get him a birthday present a couple days ago? Uh-oh. Bro, look, you know what? We, we, the guy, he, he finally agreed to come to one of our games. <laughs> it was last year. And he chooses. I say, what game do you want to watch? He says, well, we played, you know, you played for me at Columbus. I want to go to Columbus, Ohio and watch Hell you yeah. guys play Ohio State. <laughs> so I look at Mirabal and he were like, brother, we better win this game or he's going to kick our butts, you know? <laughs> And so uh, he was up there, and uh, I, I got a better, I got a good birthday present for him. You know, I he ought to run the same amount of PTs he made me run over on that field. Hey, that's facts. I, he he tells me all the time he thinks you're the only head coach in college football who can beat every single player on his team in a fist fight, and and, and that's my. And <laughs> Is that true, coach? <laughs> oh man, you guys are awesome. You know, I can't comment on that. <laughs> well, but you know, I gotta ask one more time about Dennis. What's your favorite Dennis Lavelle story? Gosh, I, I don't know where to start, man. I, I mean, he just he just had us go, and I thought what he did one day in practice when Matt Britton couldn't find his helmet when he took a water break when he wasn't supposed to, he left it in a pile of helmets and what happened to him on the way back, <laughs> or whether it was playing against South Ridge for the district title uh, after he had told us not to mention anything about, you know, you know, want to get after them, be humble in front of the media, and then we weren't and what he did to us after that you know? I love Dennis it. Lavelle he uh oh yeah he, or or the old-fashioned fork drill and then the 50 versus 50 offensive versus defensive guy drill there were some unbelievable things I mean uh, but the ultimate teacher great technician fundamentals culture that guy epitomized what a football coach should be mm. uh, coach you talked a lot about practice there and you reminiscing on that I heard you earlier in the press conference room reminiscing on your practice days at Miami and what they're looking like now. How do you continue to bring that culture back of what the winning ways were and how does it start on that practice field, especially with all the alumnus coming back? Well, like you said, it starts in those practices, but it starts in those workouts leading up to practice. You have to be able to to practice that way. you got to train a certain way. And our strength and conditioning staff does an unbelievable job getting our guys to build the capacity to practice at the pace we practice and as long as we practice. So they've done that. Practices were, were a true test now, and they, they felt it. But I'm so thankful for these players, the way they responded, because a lot of guys wouldn't have, right? They just would have folded their tents and left. And these guys instead, they they they, they ground up and they buckled down and, and they got it done, and, and we improved. And then we got better so far this season, this offseason as well. So I'm really excited to see what we look like in fall camp. Uh, coach, uh, and we're here with Mario Cristobal, Miami Hurricanes head coach. It is Ken Levick alive on ESPN 106.3. We had asked Tyler Van Dyke earlier about fourth and 14 and what happened at Florida State last year. And Tyler said, man, did that hurt. That was really disappointing. But if we did win that game, it would mean we probably didn't have Coach Cristobal with uh, the leadership of this program now. How have you developed that relationship with Tyler Van Dyke and also – when it comes to Florida State and uh, trying to uh, get back in that rivalry and win that back again, is that discussed at any point right now in the course of, of this part of the year? Nothing is discussed except the present matter at hand, the business at hand, which means that right now it's about making sure, I don't know what time it is, but it's probably class time, to making sure everybody's in class and getting there early and making sure we're putting the right stuff in our body tonight and getting the beds so we're going to have a great training session 
tomorrow. In terms of building relationships with our players, we're working at it, you know, and it's, I think, I, I think it's almost a sign of disrespect to ask someone to trust you. You know what I mean? Sure. Can you imagine that? People, hey, trust me. Trust, that's, that's BS, you know. Earn and work at earning somebody's trust and confidence. And I think the best way to do that is to invest time and invest effort and work. And that's what we're doing. We're all working at it. And we're seeing that, man, we, we can push farther than we thought we could. And we could, we could push through this and have a breakthrough if we continue at this pace and if we continue working together and buying in. And I think that's what's transpiring right now amongst our entire program, every person in the program. And that's critically important for us to be successful this year. Coach, you've put together a colossal staff, one that I would call the best in the country. But i got to ask about a certain somebody, Ed Ogeron. I mean, every time I look, he's on the practice field. Like, he's there (laughs) three times a week. I I came down for one of your guys' scrimmages, and he's standing next to you in a T-shirt yelling at the defensive lineman, like moving guys around with his hands. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And he's there all the time. So does he have a position title? What does Ogeron do? He's Coach O. That's all the title he needs. You know, he needs, to, he needs to be out there as often as he possibly can. You know, Coach was a was a graduate assistant coach and a defensive line coach when I was a player, and I was always very grateful to him, man, because I was a nobody that was working my butt off to try to get off the scout team and contribute, and that guy treated us all with respect and pushed us, and he pushed us hard, and I appreciate that about him. And now his son, Cody, is with us yep. as an offensive analyst working with the quarterbacks. And Coach O, since he's around a bunch, man, his knowledge, his love for the game, his passion, and certainly his technical and schematic work is something that we've really benefited from having him right here in Miami. Uh, Jafari Harvey, you brought him out here for ACC kickoff. Obviously a guy you trust, obviously one of the, uh, the pillars on the defense coming into this fall. Port St. Lucie native, Vero Beach graduate. How much is Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast going to be just a recruiting hotbed for you as you continue to look to build on the future, these next three, four, five years of the Canes? South Florida, man, right? I mean, always has been, always will be, you know. And and the best part about Miami is you have that. You have your backyard, right, which is loaded with great players. And then you also could attract great players to come and be part of not only the hurricane program, but living in South Florida. So, yeah, South Florida and, and the Palm Beach County, come on now. It's, it's always going to be there at the top of the priority list. Coach, he said he's going to try to make Vero Beach a pipeline. So, uh, yeah, well, yes, I, w- I would hope so. We have a lot of players <laughs> that have come from there and former coaches as well. So, no, it's, uh, it's really important to our program. And we're showing in the way we're prioritizing all the South Florida areas. Coach, I just want to ask you one final thing. Uh, this Miami fan base, and you know they can be impatient. They can be a fickle bunch. I've seen them eat one of their own and Randy Shannon previously. And the reason I speak to this is because I'm married to one of them, okay? 12-year season ticket holder. She lives in my home in our fall goes according to her mood based on the Canes, okay? You coming in, you know how this goes, and you know the expectations of the fan base. Knowing what you've inherited, how much urgency is there to win right away for you in this program? The urgency is to get better and put every ounce of effort we have into this thing. Because the most important thing is how does football go, right? Yeah. What is college football nowadays? Because Living in nostalgia theater, that's not going to cut it. We're the 2022 Miami Hurricanes, and we're coming off of a good chunk of years where, right, it hasn't been the standard. So we got to work to get back to the standard. And to work to get back to the standard, there are painful steps that you cannot skip. And honestly, you don't want to skip because you want to get to a situation and a place and a time where you are legitimately a perennial and you have a sustainable championship football program. 
that's the goal, right? To get there and to stay there. And along the way, whatever it takes, it takes what it takes. I like that. No better way to wrap it than that, huh? That works for King. me. Coach, thank Stone, you so you much. Really appreciate you jumping on and uh, and talking to us here on the 561 and 772. It means a lot to us, so thank you. I appreciate you guys for having me, man. Go Canes. Yes, sir. Mario Cristobal, again, Miami Hurricanes head coach here on Ken LaVica Live. And so good that Coach was able to come by. We appreciate everybody at Miami for uh, putting up with the messages and uh, the constant follow-ups. But what can I say? Stone Labanowitz, Theo Dorsey, they are tenacious. Yes, they you, are. You guys get what you want. You take it and you, you, you run with it. So, again, Mario Cristobal, if you missed any of that, uh, you can uh, hear it on the Ken LaVica Live podcast free wherever you uh, get your podcasts. Ken, does it feel like you are you ready to play a football game yeah. right now? I, I mean, <laughs> the, way he, the way he talks. It's like it's go time all the time. I, I think, think that's the way he lives as well. I mean, he's he's obviously football through and through. Yeah. He's going to talk like a football coach. I will say, like based on what he has inherited, I, I would think that he believes that this is a team that can at the very least knock on the door of Charlotte, right? Like, I don't think that with that quarterback, those weapons on offense, and a, a, a more disciplined defense – he doesn't believe that they don't have a chance to get to Charlotte. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think one of the most unique things is players understand that. Like, there are Power 5 transfers who have dozens of starts under their belt out of West Virginia, out of Cincinnati, that had no hesitation on coming down to the 305 and playing ball. They're instant starters. They want to make an impact, and they want to win now. So it, it, it's unique when he, you know, he didn't necessarily answer your question, does he want to win now? He took the football approach. His players take that football approach, too. <laughs> well, like they want to give it everything of they course got. He, he wants answered to win maybe now. two questions. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 <laughs> yeah, of course he say. wants to win now, but the question about urgency is different because some coaches will take the tact, oh, we got to build this thing up. Right. And we're gonna, we want it to become sustainable. But I think in Miami's case, You've got to win now. Like, I think Miami, there's no excuse. It's like eight wins or bust at least this year. Mm -hmm. I think to a rational person, and then you sustain from there. But I would be stunned if Mario Cristobal had any lower expectation than that. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn if I'm making the declaration that I think he can win eight games. So, oh, at least eight, nine, ten. I mean, come on. Let's not, let's not, uh, I mean, they could win the division. They could win the division. I don't think. I don't know if ten wins is gonna. You're gonna need ten wins to well, win the I mean, division. I mean, maybe you get to nine wins and then yeah. you get the tenth in the bowl game. I mean, I yeah. think there are surprising. You know, ten win season. Yeah, for sure, there are surprising easy wins. You know, CL mentioned that he doesn't know what the hell's going on in the UNC camp over there. So I mean, there's <laughs> right. teams that were a threat last year that aren't necessarily a threat anymore. Here's what I will say. I have an update too. Oh, uh, what's what's that? If you if you care for it, Dallin Cuff, he just he just dropped our line and credited ESPN West Palm. Bang. Uh, on one of his interviews, so we're not showing it, sure when it's going to air, but it will be airing Let's on ESPN go, ACC Network soon. Dallin Cuff he, is he our guy. He lived up to his name. I love it. And, and the white shirt, still pristine. <laughs> I tell you what, get still his pristine. number when he comes down here, we're going to take him out. That's good stuff. That is Have really to. good stuff. Um, what I will say, too, before we – do we need a break or can we ride straight through? Let's ride straight through, We're going to ride brother. straight through? Awesome. So what I will say about, uh, uh, about the Canes – and there's going to be this constant talk about trajectory in Florida State and Miami especially. And those are the two teams we've been focused on. I, I trust, and I get the sense Florida State is on an upward trajectory, I think. Uh, no, I agree. It's very you. hard to pull anything, though, out of Mike Norvell because Mike Norvell is just... Uh, 
I mean, he's like talking to a wall sometimes. Like, I don't, I don't want to sound disrespectful, but you're not getting anything from him. He's publicly not inspiring the masses, right? Mm-hmm. Theo, is, is that unfair to, to describe Mike Norvell? He's not at least talking with us, talking with media. There, there's no way Noel's yeah. fans are like, oh, my God, hell yeah, this feels great. Yeah, the fans are down on him. I'm, I'm up on Nor- Norvell, though, man. Like, Out of the two coach. times I've talked to him. He, he can coach. He's a good guy. It just isn't cutting it there right now. No, but so, I mean, there's a reason he's there. Maybe it's just not the right place. It just feels like Mike Norvell, the trajectory at Florida State is like this slow trudge, uphill climb, and eventually they'll get there. But the way that this offseason has gone with the Canes, the way that there has been this sort of Hollywood rock star aspect to it, all the former players have been flooding back. You have the Heisman candidate quarterback. They're clearly motivated chip on shoulder as well. The NIL, they're the best program in the country when it comes to NIL. The trajectory for Miami is not like Florida State's where it's plodding up the hill. This seems like rocket booster type stuff. And so at least on its face... There is so much more interest and so much more to be excited about in 2022 for Miami than Florida State. It's hard to truly, actually, accurately put it into words because that Miami-Florida State game we keep referencing, Tyler Van Dyke talking about it, it was disappointing, but it brought us Mario Cristobal. It's been viral all over the place. He said it on our show. It seems like Florida State beat a Miami. It feels like an anomaly. It feels like it's one of those blips in what is actual reality so much so that Florida State comes down to, to, to Hard Rock Stadium this fall and it feels like that's not going to be much of a game because Miami has a better roster, they've had a much better offseason, and there's much more optimism around the program. Like I just get that feeling. Off. Right. Right. Barry Jackson put it into perspective. You know, he he quote tweeted the audiogram we put out of Tyler Van Dyke with that with that statement and he said it's funny how a few blown assignments on defense can change the trajectory of a football program for the future. I mean, boom, that's it right there. You just mentioned it. That is an anomaly, and it put this program in the right direction. We're getting a lot of tweets from Noles mysterious fans. Ways. Like, we are getting a lot of tweets, though, from Florida State fans like this for no- from Noles blood. So Tyler Van Dyke is who you all call a leader. Really? He accepted a loss to their rivalry school? <laughs> what a quarterback. I see <laughs> where their fans get their mentality from. <laughs> like, but, but what First is, off, what, that's the best you could come up with? Like, I don't well, there, know. It's, it's sad times in it's sad times in, <laughs> in Tallahassee. But, but here's the it thing: is. if you're if you're Tyler Van Dyke, and I saw someone else tweet like, "Oh, ripping on the coach that gave you your start." Isn't there something to be said though uh, for realizing where the biggest source of the issue was, and understanding that if you wanted to win, you wanted to be a champion, you wanted to realize your dream, that person was going to have to go. The fact that Tyler Van Dyke put it out there that he was extremely bold about it. Hey. If we don't if we don't lose to Florida State, chances are Mario Cristobal isn't here and we're just still accepting status quo. That last part is me paraphrasing my words, not his. Doesn't that show leadership though? Doesn't that honesty that Tyler Van Dyke gave us? I don't think that's a reason to criticize. I think that's a reason to say, hey, you know what? This guy is fully aware of the situation that program was in. And I think he wanted to get that off his chest, honestly. Like oh, you could tell ahead, he Theo. answered preach, the preach, question. Preach, preach. He's not he wrong. answered the question and then at the end of it he was like, yo, I got it. Almost as if he came in the ACC kickoff knowing he wanted to say it at least once. Theo, you took the words right out of my mouth. He spit it out so quick. Like he proved to me yes. that he was a realist. Like he has had that one banked up and it's motivating him. Man, you just took the words right out of my mouth. What's gonna happen when Miami beats Florida State by three touchdowns this year? 
Like what is what what Tyler Van Dyke quarter Florida State fans going to hang their hat on uh, after that? Because again, it feels like that game at the Doak was a complete anomaly. It took a damn near miracle for Florida State to win that game on their home field, and they're using it now as their rallying cry for the future of the program. Whereas Miami, it's it was embarrassing. To lose to Florida State. If that's what it needed to spark change and get the guy the target, then, and this offseason especially, Miami's going to be after this week, and you keep telling me stone number two in recruiting, right? Yeah. In the nation, not in the ACC, no. but in the United States of America. Literally in the after nation. this Saturday? Yeah, yeah, after this Saturday. So in 2018 was the last yeah. time they've had eight guys committed that were inside the top 24-7. They have eight committed right now. We're probably going to get five or six more. Like, we're going to break the all-time record of guys inside the top 24-7, and this guy has not even been on the sideline yet. I did mean what I You know I what s- I like in uh, this, too, though? What? If, if, you, if you care to – it's not apples to apples, but remember when Golden State lost that 2016 finals to the Cavs and, when got and Draymond Green went to the parking lot yeah. and called up Kevin Durant? It's like it was necessary. That loss – though, and, it, and, again, you can't excuse it as Tyler Van Dyke wanted to lose. No. He lost, and then he found that silver lining of this loss gave us Mario Cristobal. Right. Gotta love it. And that's the thing. That's not loser talk. Like, Miami lost, and they lost on a massive defensive error, and it was poorly coached. The the clock management at the end of that game by Manny Diaz, not Tyler Van Dyke, (laughs) not anybody else. Manny Diaz is why Miami lost that game to Florida State, okay? And it's not the only inexcusable loss that Miami had over the last Three years under Manny Diaz. So if you're Tyler Van Dyke, it's either, oh, we beat Florida State, we get the job done, and Manny Diaz is still around, and we're still looking at the game mismanagement, and for a defensive coach, a really poor defense, or we go get the guy who bleeds green and orange, the guy who played here, the guy who is won at Oregon, the guy who learned under Saban, the guy who dragged the most worthless Division I college football program to a championship and a bowl win in Florida mm. International. He comes in. Mm. Yeah, I think I know where I'm yeah. putting all my eggs if I'm Tyler Van Dyke. <laughs> There's nothing he said that was wrong. Absolutely not. You're talking about head coach. Let's just stay on the defensive side. He brought in a bad dude in Kevin Steele, their defensive coordinator now. So, I mean, he won't make the same mistakes. He won't fumble that bag like Manny Diaz did. Man, they're loaded. Yeah. I did mean what I OC said, though. OC Josh Gaddis. Well, come, on, I, come on, man. When I brought up how fickle Canes fans are, though, like this is why I think that there needs to be, and there's going to be a little bit of urgency. Uh, yeah, Mario can sit there and say all he wants. Like, oh, we want a sustained process. A sustained, of course, everybody Maximum does. Maximum effort. But, but. <laughs> He won't say it because he's going to go coach speak and he doesn't want to send expectations soaring through the roof. But I will say it as someone who has seen this Miami fan base. They are quick to turn. Quick, quick, quick to turn on you if there are not results there. At Miami, I firmly believe you have two years to show something or else they start calling for your head. Things start to get acrimonious. You start to hear the whispers. This is just Canes fans. Canes fans don't live in reality, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. And Mario addressed it. This isn't the the, the live in, in the past type of situation. He knows Canes fans live in the past. He knows those expectations derive from something that was a completely different era of college football. But I saw it happen with Randy Shannon. Randy Shannon got gobbled up, spit out, Mm. and he was one of their own. Al Golden, 
good start because he won the initial press conference. There was all sorts of NCAA investigations. He got gobbled up right away. Manny Diaz, as soon as he lost to FIU, that began the process of him being booted out the door. No matter how many Mark Rick, he exactly Mark Rick and Mark Rick. There were whispers recruit too. By the end of his his third season, they wanted his son fired. They wanted him to completely <laughs> rework the staff, you know? And he was so, still bringing in three, four-star guys. Exactly. And so what I'm, what I'm, the reason I brought that up was to not crap all over Canes fans, but understand Canes fans, I know you. I know you. We see we you. We know you. I understand how you behave. Give the man time. But I don't think they're going to need much time. And I really do think they got Ty- a quarterback. Tyler Van Dyke, he's going to get criticism for what he said on the show, but nothing he said was out of line or wrong. Nothing. Was, was it unconventional? Yes. Like, hey, it got my coach fired, so and it brought in a better coach. So it's okay we lost to the rival. <laughs> it's unconventional. It was grown man stuff. It's uncomfortable, but you know what? It's the damn truth. Okay? Theo, great job out there in Charlotte. Well done, brother. Hey, I fulfilled my commitment. You did Thanks. well. Yes, you did. You did well. You can go rest in your bed until you have to check out in, like, I don't know, an hour and a half. Theo uh-huh. Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, <laughs> WFLX Fox 29. Stone the Banowitz. I'm Ken LeVecca. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye-bye.